Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. This is America. With your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? Happy New Year. I am Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S. We are smack dab right here in the middle of New York City, where it's all going down for New Year's Eve. But first, I want to get into the topics of the day. You know, uh, I, I look around and look at the people, how they interact. I have this huge window right here next to me in the studio, and I could see, you know, uh, a busy street on east side of Manhattan here. And you look at people, and you just look at the way they interact. And you could tell just by the way people are walking. Some of them are New Yorkers. Some of them are transplants, you know, because they, they get startled easily. You know, bird lands in front of them. They move out of the bird's way because the bird is more gangster than they are. And, you know, the New Yorker, you know, they keep walking. The bird's got to move. And, you know, that's just how it is. They've got no time to waste because there's a lot going on. It's the hustle and bustle. It's the rat race. It's the grind of New York City. So it is a real pleasure to be with you guys. And this morning on my rat race, on my hustle coming into the city, I come in from New Jersey. I'm born in Brooklyn. My parents are born on the island of Puerto Rico, as you guys know. But we uh, moved from when I was around 12, 6th grade, moved to Jersey. And uh, I've been in Jersey, served in the government in New Jersey. And I got into broadcasting. And that's another story for a different day. But on my trip here today, I was uh, explaining a little earlier that I was walking through Times Square. And it's like a uh, ghost town. There's very few people out today. There's a lot less pedestrian traffic. There's a lot less vehicular traffic. It's, it was a quiet morning at 8 o'clock in the morning, 7.45, whatever time it was. So I took a quick video to you know to show what, what it looked like on a dark, doomy, uh, gloomy, dark and gloomy, not doomy. <laughs> That's uh, security. And one of those days like that. But I also teased in the last hour what it's like to spend New Year's Eve in Times Square. So if you're listening right now, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I hate to do all the talking. I want to get some feedback from the callers. Please, uh, if you're listening to the program, let me know if you've ever been to Times Square for New Year's Eve. Our phone number is 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-WABC. I got to do it twice. Now, I got the hookup because there's somebody from the Valdez clan that works at a big hotel in Times Square and happens to be in charge of security. So I had the good pleasure of going once with my dad, God rest his soul, and my daughters when they were younger, and my brother, and my sister-in-law, and my niece, and my nephew, and we had a nice room, I think on the 17th or 18th floor of the Crown Plaza Hotel, overlooking Times Square above the M&M store on 48th, 49th, and Broadway. And it was terrific. You go, you get a room, 
And then when 11.50 rolls around, you get over to the elevator. It takes you five minutes to get downstairs to what? To a private pen that they have on the sidewalk level. So everybody from Norway and Alabama and everywhere else that they flock to or flock from to come and participate in New Year's Eve in New York City and Times Square, they're out there for hours and hours and hours. They're wearing Depends. They have different things strapped to them to collect urine because they can't go to the bathroom. Once you're in, you can't move. And they're there for, you know, 10, 12, 15, 17 hours. And they're there corralled like sheep, one on top of another. Obviously, now in the time of coronavirus, you can't do that. So it's a ghost town today. But I did it in, uh, I think it was 2013, 2014, and again in 2020. And check out how this works. Because most people say, yeah, you know what? Listen, I grew up around here. Never done Times Square. Don't don't even care to do Times Square. It's freezing. You got all these people. The trains aren't running right. I don't want to do it. Every other street is closed. It's a nightmare. Everybody's drunk. There's problems in the streets. And that's the opinion of most New Yorkers. And that's why I think most New Yorkers will tell you that they've never celebrated New Year's Eve in New York City. And I'm going to ask this question again, maybe tomorrow, to see if there's a little bit different take for people that, you know, post New Year's Eve and say, oh, no, 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 I did it. But the way to do it is to get a room in one of these hotels because these hotels have access to the sidewalk surrounding the hotel. So, like I said, it could be 1150 and you could be watching whatever it is, Dick Clark's Rockin' Neve or whichever program you like. I always like the uh, the one on the Spanish channel. And you're watching TV and you go, oh, snap, it's almost time. We'll walk over to the elevator. takes you five minutes to get downstairs. Once you get downstairs, there you are. You're on the sidewalk. You're there with all the Europeans and travelers and everybody from everywhere that's come from far and wide to participate. You go. You're right there. You watch the ball drop. Three, two, one. Psh, happy New Year. You know, the noisemakers, everybody gives a kiss and a hug and blah, blah, blah. And then while they're there taking in the songs, they play New York, New York. They play um, Ray Charles, America. And it's a, it's a really nice time. And it's an amazing feeling of patriotism and of Americanism and just good cheer for your fellow man. It really is. And it's even better when you don't have to worry about anything. And you go back inside your hotel and go back up to your hotel room. And that's how they do it. Now, I think, like I said, I got the hookup, so I had a little family discount, and it really was made possible by that because most people, I think, were paying in excess of $2,500 for a room for like a family of four or something like that. And last night, I bumped into somebody who worked at the Renaissance Hotel in Times Square, and I was told that rooms were going for $4,500 a night. So if you got five stacks that you want to drop real quick, go right ahead to party in New York City. Now, somebody else that's dropping money to be at the Times Square Renaissance, CNN. Yes, that's right. The Clinton News Network, Fake News Central, CNN. They have taken over a part of the restaurant or the lobby there of the Renaissance in Times Square. And I've been told that they have removed the windows to the hotel. Now you're thinking, what does that mean? I mean, literally, remove the window so that the anchors, I believe Anderson Cooper and Andy Cohen, who are hosting the New Year's Eve special, will be able to sit on a stool or stand up and the windows face Times Square. 
So with no glass, you'll be able to hear everything. It'll be as if you're outside, but you're really inside because you can't be outside because of coronavirus. Isn't that something? So that was very clever. They rented the hotel and they've removed the windows so that you can literally be outside without being outside. Kind of like the outdoor dining of New Year's Eve news. So try that on for uh, for size. I want to hear your thoughts on that. We're going to get into some political stuff. Uh, Governor Cuomo and his heavy-handed restrictions on houses of worship and restaurants and bars and other establishments have been tested in federal courts, and he's lost, and he's had to relent a little bit. So we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about Josh Hawley saying that he's joining the challenge on January 6th and what January 6th is going to look like. Plus, we're going to hear from America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani's been on the grind like nobody else, got hit with the COVID, hit the COVID back and sent it packing, was back in action three days later. And he's got a whole lot going on in Georgia. We're going to recap that. Now, don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right there. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to This is America. This is America. He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. This is America with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez, and we're talking about Essential Andy Cuomo from the Essential Andy Cuomo podcast. Of course, you know him better as Governor Cuomo. Of course, New Year's Eve, all things New Year's Eve. We'll be talking about that straight till tomorrow, so I'm taking anything on New Year's Eve. But Governor Cuomo, he always has something uh, ostensibly provocative to say. He's always got something going on where you're like, really, bro? Where'd you come up with that one? Like, couldn't you just have stayed shut? But he always brings something up. So yesterday he uh, he's on tape. We've got the tape of him saying that maybe we should give these vaccines to people that want to go see sporting events. Listen to this. Can you use rapid testing to safely reopen? Query. No place has done it, but that's okay. We're in New York. I have no problem going first. That's what we're piloting with the Buffalo Bills. Now, Buffalo Bills, it's an outdoor venue, which is all the difference in the world from an indoor venue. Can you rapid test everyone, 7,000 people going into a venue, and then can you do the contact tracing afterwards and find out what happened? If this works well, then you would look to expand it. So this is really step one, and then we'll take it from there. But I don't see a key to the door beyond this key. Really, the only key you have is rapid testing. So, Mr. Rapid Testing, he's willing to forego giving seniors the vaccine in order to give them as a higher priority to people in drug rehabs. He's willing to use rapid testing for the football players or for the football event, at you know any football game, any sporting event, Buffalo Bills. Because it's outdoor and outdoor makes all the difference in the world. And he's constantly making these heavy handed demands. And it makes you think, why isn't he being heavy handed with the Bills? Is he a fan of the Bills? Is it because they're in Albany, Buffalo area, and maybe they're putting some pressure on him? Putting pressure? Yeah, I mean, I look at this and I think. Why not do rapid testing so people can go back to work? You know, yesterday, Governor Phil Murphy, and I'm no huge fan, but I heard that 
indoor sports such as wrestling were going back into effect now, this week. And I'm thinking, wrestling? Look, I'm no corona crazy, but being on top of another person, literally, (laughs) physically one-on-one rolling around on a mat, you can't social distance when you wrestle. You sweat. Maybe you bleed. If there's, you know, I used to do grappling MMA. You get into scuffles sometimes. You bleed a little bit. Um, that doesn't sound like the type of thing that's COVID-friendly. Like you could do all the rapid testing in the world. If you're going to roll around on a mat, it's not going to be too good. So I think to myself, Murphy allows that, but he won't allow so many other things to happen. Yet Cuomo wants to use rapid testing for the Buffalo Bills. Meanwhile, out of the other side of his mouth, he's like, no, you can't have a restaurant. No, you can't do this. No, you can't do any of that. Now, you may remember the famous quote from a recent Supreme Court opinion. Even in a pandemic, the Constitution cannot be put away and forgotten. That was the statement that came from a federal court ruling rebuking Governor Cuomo for his heavy-handed restrictions on houses of worship. This is in the Post. They, along with the restaurants, bars, and other establishments, are increasingly turning to the courts, with some success, to get relief from the governor's freedom and job-killing edicts. But it was clear from the start his rules were based on a whim, not on science. And that's the question I'm asking. Is everything based on a whim? Is he following the science when we're talking about the Buffalo Bills? And I'm not anti-football. I just think it's, yeah, it's a job and there's people involved, but it's of way lesser consequence than universities and so many other things. Now, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit on Monday ruled that Cuomo's order limiting attendance at houses of worship to 10 and 25 people, respectively, in red and orange zones, quote, discriminates against religion on its face, imposing greater restrictions on religious activities. And this is obviously against the Constitution. This is according to Judge Michael Park, who's writing on behalf of uh, the three-judge panel that reviewed the case. Now, this is the second win for the Roman Catholic Church and the Roman Catholic Diocese of Brooklyn, as well as Agudath Israel of America, a month ago, both of them brought these cases to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court blocked the state from enforcing the rule while the cases were going through the courts. So here's the quote from that one. It's time, past time, to make it plain that while the pandemic poses many grave challenges, there is no world in which the Constitution tolerates color-coded executive edicts that reopen liquor stores and biker shops, but shutter churches, synagogues, and mosques. And that's Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch. Now, restaurants and bars have filed three of their own lawsuits. Here's the state's problem. It has no scientific basis for the rules. Contact tracing surveys show that just 1.43% of COVID-19 cases were linked to bars and restaurants. Religious activities were traced to just 0.69% of cases. The overwhelming majority, 73.84%, were tied to where? 
private household gatherings. You're getting corona from the people you live with. So distance from them. Don't let your guard down while you're at home. I guess it's a, a little bit more difficult. I try to do it. And listen, I have kids. I, th- I think they're cute. I want to hug them all the time and whatever. I get it. But it's clear. There's stay home, save a life. Stay home, save a life. And guess what? Staying home is getting people coronavirus. They're getting it not from people at work, but from people that they live with. Go figure. That means these lockdowns are stupid and they're promoting the illness, not preventing the illness. Which is what a lot of people said, including some of these experts in Sweden that said, we're not doing that crap. So you've got Donald Schwartz. He's a restaurateur here in New York. And he says, we just want the opportunity to earn an honest living. Bars and restaurants follow sanitizing and social distancing rules. They don't want to kill their customers or themselves. Of course, they want them to come back and spend more money. Because what I teach you before, it's always about the money. And when it's not about the money, it's about the money. Meanwhile, Team Cuomo calls the lawsuits frivolous. Ha! These people are fighting for their livelihoods. And those workers that they employ for their livelihoods. The governor and his aides may not care about them, but they'll have to abide by the Constitution whether they like it or not. And that's an editorial from the New York Post. I agree with that. That's from today. It's in today's paper. I think it was put in last night. Excellent point. I totally agree. Listen, I went to a restaurant a couple of weeks ago, and I might have shared this with you, but uh, bear with me. Westwood, New Jersey. I went to a restaurant called Meza, Mediterranean Cuisine. I had the hummus bowl. I'll be honest, I had about three or four courses. I don't know what they were, if they were appetizers, you know. It was really good. I'm such a critic when I'm going to spend a few bucks in a restaurant. I'm like, you know what, this better be good, both the service and the food. And even if it's tasty, the temperature better be right. Everything I ordered from the service to the food to the dessert, the presentation of the dessert really exceeded any expectation that I had. My daughter, who's also a critic, looked at me and said, they did not miss anywhere. I mean, they nailed it. It's rare that we all agree. Now, disclaimer, my kid works at this place. I probably shouldn't say that on the air. Now we're going to have to send security. But I'm biased. Uh, She had given me a biased opinion because, you know, she's uh, partial to the place. And she said, it's really good. You're going to love it. I went. It's really good. I loved it. The other kid went. She loved it. All three of us, we loved it. Took some pictures. I'll put them on Instagram because the presentation at the end, they have these little Zeppelis. They don't call them Zeppelis. They call them I forget what. But they're Zeppelis. Little fried dough balls rolled around in sugar. I mean, how good is that? (laughs) And then they put them on this little tree. And they're like, they look like little Christmas ornaments. It was really great. It wasn't a Christmas tree. It was more like a bear tree in the winter. But my point is, the restaurant was terrific. And the real story here was not to talk about the restaurant. It was to talk about a little card that the hostess gave me. And she said, we have a filter. In case you're interested in reading about it, here you go. So I read about it. And they have a filter that filters out something like 94 or 95%. Maybe it was 99. I don't remember. But it was a high 90s percentile of coronavirus through this filtration system that they put into the restaurant. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Now, I remember Governor Cuomo saying that they were going to require that in all places and malls and things in New York. And I don't know if they did or did not. 
But I do know that it was really cool. And we have some of those types of filters here at Talk Radio 77 WABC in the studios where they filter the air that's in the room. And I think it's a terrific idea. It's one of those things that you can do to move forward so that you're not stuck Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade the behest of succumbing to these orders. You you know, take precautions, but you don't have to shut down your restaurant. Get the filter. Allow people inside. Nobody's getting sick from restaurants. Every table six feet away. So I think that is the way to go. And this is one way of thinking outside of the box where business owners can, you know, get one of these filters, get two of these filters, get three of them. Heck, you know, increase increase the amount of times you clean the tables, whatever it is, provide gloves, whatever you want to do for your customers. Chinese Restaurant by Me, back in the beginning of the pandemic, they provided gloves and masks and hand sanitizer outside the restaurant. So if you wanted to go inside you know, um, you could take the PPE from the outside and then go inside and order. I thought that was really uh, generous of them. So I, I say all of that to say I'm not looking when I go to eat to see if uh, Governor Cuomo, mother may I. You know, I, I don't need his permission, and nobody should. He's really not a king, even though they call him King Cuomo. We need to let America thrive the way America was meant to thrive. Like Ronald Reagan said, Get off my back and out of my pocket. And there's more where that came from. Keep it locked right there. You're listening to This is America. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. Para Inglés, o primo número dos. Para Rich Valdez. Y esto es America. Ahora. Bienvenido, America. Welcome back. We were talking about what's going on with King Cuomo, or as I like to call him, Essential Andy from the Essential Andy Cuomo podcast. And, of course, that's because he took it upon himself to decide who and which businesses would be essential. It's as if he thinks he's his own god. And if you hear him talk, he probably does think that of himself. But uh, enough with him. I want to move on to what's going on with the fraud that never happened, the evidence that doesn't exist in the election that wasn't stolen. And, of course, I say that facetiously because every day I turn at least, you know, a minute or two or a segment or two of the program to look at what's going on with these different allegations, new information that's found, and the artful way that they are rejecting this because it's interesting how Donald Trump, Donaldus Magnus, El Presidente, El Trumpito, Donald J. Trump, 45th president of these United States. It's so interesting to me to see how he calls these people out because he understands them so well. And they just blow their tops. You know, so right now he's got, he's got, I think, a few things cooking. I think it's going to be really exciting. You know, Trump would not invite all of America to come to Washington on January 6th. If he didn't have something extraordinarily um, action-packed planned for them, 
And I'm pretty sure it's not for him to say, ladies and gentlemen, I am conceding the election to Joe Biden. Bigly. No, of course not. He's not going to do that. He's not going to say that. He's not going to invite everybody for that. That's more like YouTube video if he was going to do that. And I don't think he would do it because he doesn't believe he lost because I don't believe he lost. I know that I spent all of this last year and honestly the last several years meeting people, talking to people that pulled me aside and say, hey, look, I know you work in a conservative radio. Would you, uh, would you believe that blah, blah, blah? And people just confiding in me as if I was their therapist coming and telling me, listen, I'm voting for Trump. I'm talking about former drug dealers, people that were big time Democrats, people that never voted, people that didn't care about anything. But they're like, you know what? I don't like a lot of the stuff, but I like that he puts America first. I don't like his style, but I listen. They they voted for Trump. A lot of people voted for Trump. Now, I didn't meet a single soul. Now, OK, you could say, well, Rich, that's really self-centered of you to think that just because you haven't met people that like Biden, that no one does. Well, hey, you're right. That is self-centered of me, and uh, I like being at the center of myself. But apart from that, it means that anecdotally, nobody's like, man, I can't wait to elect Joe Biden. He's terrific. Now, I, I know one or two people like that, but they're mainly, they're hurt. They're, these are people that are victims of abuse. They've been abused by a fake news media, and some of them don't, don't even know that the media is pretty fake. Fake stories. I mean, just a few weeks ago, and I don't mean to get off topic, but the Hunter Biden thing. You know, I bring that up because I remember tweeting about it because it had come up a long time ago. I was at a party, a Christmas party in 2018 with Peter Schweizer. And he was telling Mr. Producer and I about a book that he was writing that was coming out in 2019. And he said, man, you got to see the stuff we've dug up on Joe Biden. Because Biden was rumored to be running for president back then. He said him and his son, they've been collecting money in China. Big, they're in, China's in their pocket or they're in China's pocket or they're in bed with China or whatever you want to say. Right? Whichever analogy you like. There is uh, some strange bedfellows with China going on here with the Bidens. So point is, I heard the story. I heard the data. I heard this and I heard that. And I said, wow, that's bombshell. But you'd think Schweizer puts out his book. Nothing happens. I mean, nothing legal happens. He does well. The book's a bestseller. It's a big story, but not as big as it could be. Then the New York Post puts out the story when Rudy Giuliani releases the info that he has. Now, this is interesting. They get the the actual laptop, the hard drive, from the guy who's fixing the computer for Hunter Biden with signature verification, if you will. And there are some people saying Hunter Biden was trying to, like, wave the white flag. He knew if he went to this small fix-it shop and put his laptop there and left everything on it, that he may get figured out and that this might derail his dad's campaign for president. This is from the word I get. And, you know, I know a few people. I got a few numbers. People call me. They tell me things. From what I hear, this is the whole reason Barack Obama took 87 years to endorse Joe Biden. He didn't want to be near this thing. He wanted Harris. She was squeaky clean. The biggest scandal she had was with Willie Brown and some escapades. Now, Biden, Biden was very tainted. So, of course, they had to pull new strings. And all right, plan B, folks, hairy legs. Operation Hairy Legs is all about 
this election and pulling whatever strings they had to pull to pull favors to get Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Georgia, Arizona, Nevada to do what they do. Let me tell you, I didn't know that. I mean, I knew Georgia had been a contestable race and a really tight race in the last, you know, election. So I figured there might be something going on there when Kemp ran against Abrams and Abrams, man, what a lovely woman she is. But I didn't see it coming in Arizona with um, Ducey. I didn't see it coming in Nevada. I um, I was really blindsided by those. But anyway, long story short. So we have these people that are turncoats. We have Hunter Biden that is quite possibly looking to get this story out without having to turn on his dad. We have Giuliani coming through with the text message screenshots that are on the, his own laptop, the Hunter Biden laptop, saying, I've been collecting money or I've been paying the bills for this family for 30 years. And in those 30 years, not being able to earn money for himself, <laughs> telling his own kid, if you want to raise money for Pops, then go ahead. And again, I'm paraphrasing. So we have all of that happening, and that's all real stuff that most people may want to know when they're electing this guy's dad to be president of the United States in the midst of a major conflict with China, with Iran, with Russia. These are our enemies. But the media did everything, including suspending the account of the New York Post. So I have to be honest with you. When I, as I, As these words come out of my mouth, I imagine what they would sound like as I recount these stories to my grandchildren, who I don't have. My children are teenagers. So I put myself 20 years in the future. But you really got to go like 30 or 40 years, you know, to like things that happened when you were not alive. And that's when you go, wow, they did all that? It's going to sound like a storybook. People aren't going to believe that a company named Twitter stopped the New York Post from putting a story out. People aren't going to believe that news outlets literally allowed Vice President Biden to say from the debate stage, oh, come on, man, that's been debunked, when nothing had been debunked. In fact, the FBI says we're investigating Hunter Biden a month and a half later. And then Hunter Biden says, yes, it's true, they're investigating me for tax fraud and money laundering or whatever it was he said. How is that a thing? How is that allowed to happen? This is when I say the media is fake. Man, the media is fake. And if you don't realize it yet, now, if you want to argue me and say, no, 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 but Rich, come on, you've got to be honest. That's all right. One thing that the media got wrong, but they get everything else right. BS. No, they don't. They don't get things right. They said Trump wouldn't win and he won. He beat the system. Now they're putting Biden in faster than they can do anything else. And again, I hope they're wrong. I really do. I would love nothing more than on January 6th or January 20th or whatever to just sit here and laugh and smile the way I smiled for hours on the night of the 2016 election. And few people understood my smiling. It was 1.30 in the morning. I was watching MSNBC in all of its glory, watching Cenk Uger and the rest of these guys that were on as they, they were stuttering. Broadcasters, professional broadcasters, commentators who were never at a loss for words. They talk for a living. And they were going, uh, 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 uh. Looks like Trump just took Florida. <sighs> it was so great. What a rich experience. I was texting my friends that I knew would appreciate that feeling. 
And one of them was like, I'm here at the Trump uh, at the Trump thing at the Hilton here in New York. And I was like, oh, good. He's like, you should come. And I was like, nah, I'm home in all of my glory watching these guys just fall apart. And he was like, yeah, we don't know if Trump's going to win or not, if he's going to pull it out. But um, it's a good party. <laughs> I was like, all right. But uh, I'm going to stay home. I wasn't dressed. And by the time I got there, it would have been like 3 a.m. And it was just like not happening. And a little while later, I see Trump come out. And he's, you know, smooth, swagger. Looks like he's about to say, well, folks, we gave it our best shot. But like I told you, it was rigged. This thing was rigged. And there's a moment where you kind of see him get some information in his ear. And he puts on a big, like, surprised face. His eyes open up. Starts to nod like a champ. That Snoop Dogg music started coming in, in my head, in my head, you know. La-da-da-da-da. And, you know, the glasses, the digital glasses just start rolling down his face. And the cigar just pops out of nowhere. And it's like, man, this guy is gangster. He's thug life for show. And yes, Donaldus Magnus, El Trompito, he wins the presidency for every hardworking, MAGA-loving American. Because that was what it was about. It was about people loving America. It was about people keeping it simple and about people giving the biggest middle finger that they could to the swamp, sending the Washington swamp packing. That's what it was all about. And they couldn't handle that. So they came back, they doubled down, and they said on his inauguration day at noon or right before noon, Obama and Vice President Biden on their way out, they were like, oh, we're going to get this thing going. People were talking about we're going to have him impeached. Impeached, he had not put his hand on a Bible yet, and they were going to impeach him. So what happens? They go through this fake, phony fraud of an impeachment. The same way we kind of went through this fake, phony fraud of an election. And he pushed back, and when it got to the Senate vote, He won, and he was vindicated, and he was acquitted, and he remained the president. So do I believe that there is an option, there is a route for Donald Trump, again, to go to a vote in Congress and have the Senate vote and acquit him, figuratively speaking, so that he will remain in the White House and remain the president? I do. I believe there is an option for that. I don't believe it's not an option. I think there are Democrats out there saying it's totally not going to happen. I don't know why they're doing this. And of course, they're going to say that because should it happen, they will immediately say this is a coup. He is breaking the rules. He is whatever. He's bad. He's more than bad. He's more than orange. And he's more than a man. He's more than orange, bad man. And they'll make it look like it was some sort of military takeover of the United States by Donald Trump. Meanwhile, it was nothing more than parliamentary maneuvers, him outsmarting them, beating them at their game, which he's been so, so good at, which is part of why I love El Trompito. Anyway, so bottom line here, now it's this election. And with this election, there's been multiples appeal, uh, multiple appeals made to the state Senate in Georgia by none other than President Trump's personal attorney, America's mayor, our colleague here at Talk Radio 77 WABC, Rudy Giuliani. Check this out. Again, if you look at that one recording, that one tape, you know they're not correct. Or if you look at the fact that you had 2,560 felons vote, you had 15,700 people vote in Georgia who had changed their address before the election. You had 40,000 people failed to re-register before they voted. You had 10,315 people that we can determine from obituaries were dead when they voted. That's pretty tough to do, to vote when you're dead. 
So right away, that number you submitted to Washington is a lie. It's not true. It's false. Minus 10,000 dead people. 10,000 dead people. You know, what's interesting is there was 10,000 dead people. And yesterday I played a clip from a guy named Pulitzer. And if we can find it, I'll play it for you because he talks about this. And what I like about this, this guy, Javon, J-O-V-A-N, Pulitzer, he's the guy that created the QR code. He invented it. He's a Stanford researcher, smart guy. By most means, he's one of those apolitical types, probably leans Biden. He was probably a Sanders guy, if you know, if you look at him, because a lot of these guys are. They're that Andrew Yang type of progressive. But anyway, he kind of says, dude, forget about my politics. This is fraud. <laughs> and I'm translating. That's the Richie V version. But if we find the clip, I'll play it for you. I think it's like 36 seconds or something like that. Point is, he's extremely credible. He's not a former military guy that's saying, yeah, I used to do this in other countries. I think some people look at that and they go, dude, you're a spy. You're going to say whatever you want for whoever you want. This guy, Pulitzer, nobody's paying him off. He's he's doing good. He doesn't need this. He's doing it because he feels like if we don't correct this wrong, we're going to continue to deal with these problems where these voting machines can be accessed. I mean, just and again, I'm going to go back to Rudy, but while they were in the hearing, his hacking team hacked the voting machine while he was testifying in the Georgia Senate subcommittee. Anyway, I want you to listen to this piece from Mayor Giuliani where he talks about the videos and all of the video evidence that they have in addition to the 10,000 people that they found. Check this out. This was not an accident. This was organized. What happened here in this state is precisely the same thing that happened in Pennsylvania, in Michigan, in Arizona. And some of it happened at exactly the same time. The law of this state says that the counting of ballots has to be public, that it has to be uh, allow inspectors. It has to allow both sides to have a chance to observe it. I mean, the law of every state just about requires that. Well, you can see the people being thrown out. <laughs> you can see them checking all around. And then, in a very, very suspicious way, counting ballots so fast they couldn't possibly look at the signatures. And then you can see them counting the ballots more than once, two, three, four, five times. You would have to be a moron not to realize that that's voter fraud. You'd have to be a moron. I, I, love, I love Rudy. He's a kid from Brooklyn like me at heart, and he, he just keeps it so real. But now he finishes up with an appeal using statistics and saying, look, we've got to do our jobs. We have to uphold the oath that we have to the Constitution. We have to stick up for the American voter. Check out Rudy Giuliani on statistics. Listen to this. How is it that in every single Republican county in this state, state senators ran, ran ahead of the president by 4 to 6 percent? Every single one. Exactly the same, 4 to 6 percent. We know the president's favorability in this state. We know that at least in a few of those cases, he's going to run ahead of the Republican senators. And it just so happens it's just in the states where they fixed the vote that that happened. In other states, the president ran ahead of most Republican state senators. This is a question of courage. Do you have the courage to... Stand up to the obligation the Constitution of the United States put on you to save our people from fraud, to save the reputation of the state of Georgia. In history, certifying a phony vote that led to the wrong result in an election, which will be the verdict of history. Or do you have the courage to put up with what's going to happen if you, in fact, change that certification and do the right thing? You'll be attacked. You'll be pilloried. You'll be described in all sorts of horrible ways. But you'll wake up the next morning, look in the mirror, and you'll be able to say, I did the right thing. And that's what you should be about in public office, not worried about what people say, but what you did. What will be the verdict that history relies upon? 
Mayor Giuliani's 100% right. These guys in Georgia and every other battleground state, they need to put their big boy pants on and decide, what am I going to do for my country? What am I going to do for my state? What am I going to do for the Constitution that I'm sworn to uphold? Let me tell you, this is on them. Trump was already president. He's always going to be President Trump, whether he's in the White House or Mar-a-Lago or on TV or on the radio. I always leave you with a refrain from Hamilton and a refrain from Lord Acton, also attributed to Sir Edmund Burke, and that is, if we stand for nothing, we will fall for anything. And the only thing necessary to keep evil from triumphing is for good people to do nothing. And you, America, are those good people. So it's time to stand up, rise up, to do things you've never done. In order to achieve results you've never achieved, you have to do things you've never done. Make 2021 the best year ever. Until next time, America. Hasta la próxima. I'm Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500, or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC, we are professional grade.